Hey guys, we're going to get into another episode of One of the Scriptures Become Real. It's going to podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. You guys can find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere that you can get your podcast. So this is just audio because this is literally just a random one. I was just thinking about some things and studying and meditating on some things this morning. And I was like, man, let's record. <laughs> let's just press record. So um, this is one of these pop-up ones here. So this is just audio um, today. <clears throat> so here's where we're going with these thoughts. And I'm still kind of meditating on this and brainstorming through this. And maybe you guys can help me out. Um, if you know me, send me a text or comment on you know, social media as, as we uh, study this together. <clears throat> so the topic I was thinking about is... Thank you for walking a mile in my shoes. Thank you for walking a mile in my shoes. You know, I think about it, guys, and you think about walking a mile in someone else's shoes. It takes one. It takes actually two giant things to do that. It takes empathy. And it also takes compassion to be able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And so I think sometimes, and again, myself included, I think sometimes what's very easy for us to do is I think as we walk this Christian life, I think instead of all of us being empathetic and compassionate, I think here's how the roles have changed. I think when it comes to others, sometimes and not all times, but I think sometimes we are very sympathetic to others, meaning I hope things work out for you or I hope things get better or I'll be praying things get better. We say the right stuff, right? And we we try not to be mean people and we say the right things. But I think what we are to others is very sympathetic, but we want everybody to be empathetic and compassionate to us. So when we're going through something, when we really need help, when things are very hard for us, when things hurt for us, we don't want to hear that sympathetic, I hope things work out, I hope you feel better. We want we want action. We want we want true concern. We want we want those good things. You know, I think about in the book of Luke with the good Samaritan You know, you think about the priest and the Levite, what were they to that man? I wouldn't even put them in the sympathetic category, but they just looked. I mean, they didn't they didn't necessarily ignore the problem, but they kind of did at the same time. They looked at it. They looked at him and passed by. But when, when you look at the Samaritan, if you go back to that text in the book of Luke, it's very interesting. After. The scripture says that he had compassion on him. After the word compassion, like the next two or three verses is all action words. So after he had compassion, then he wounded him. Then he bound him up. Right. Then he put him on his donkey. Then he took him to the end. Then he paid for it. So there's always action behind compassion. And I, I have to really consider this for myself too. Who have I become? Have I become a Christian for others around me? 
and even friends and, and whatever you want to put there, have I been more sympathetic like the I hope it works out for you, Christian? Or have I been what can I do or just find something to do for them? Is, is that something possibly that I have missed? Is that something that we have missed together? So, you know, as we kind of talk about it, I hope that as we study through this just a little bit, that we can really say to each other, man, thank you for truly walking a mile in my shoes. Thank you. So let's kind of let's kind of talk about this. And again, we're kind of spitballing. We're brainstorming. We're kind of going through this as we're talking through this concept. So as we talk about this a little bit more. You know, I think about Jesus being the perfect mediator, as the book of Hebrews mentions, and mediator simply meaning um, since he was a man, he was God, John chapter one, verse one, since he was God, he knows exactly what it's like to go through anything that you went through and I went through or will go through, but he was tempted in all points as we are, but without sin which makes him the perfect mediator towards towards God because he can let the father know I know what he's going through. I know what she's going through. Comfort them. So now, who walked a mile in our shoes first? Our Lord, John 3:16, because he loved us, he was a servant. Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself and he became man. So Jesus knows what it's like to literally walk in your shoes. So as he knows what it's like to walk in your shoes, do we know what it's like to walk in his? So this is why when when it comes to Christianity, we have to see things through his lenses and through his path and how he walked. So here's why this is so important. As we learn to walk a mile in each other's shoes, what we can tend to do is we can really see some things that you think you know, but you don't know. See, what what all of us sometimes are really good at is assuming because we see what certain people are doing. Well, their, their, their job's easy or what they what they do is really not that important. Or, you know, I mean, we can really do without that. I mean, it's great that we have it here. It's great that we have that here. It's great we have this department here. But, I mean, it's kind of icing on the cake. We really don't need it. We really don't need what they're doing. So, sometimes what we can do is we can assume that we know what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes without walking. So, you know, I think about the disciples. And as they're walking with Jesus, think about how easy, guys, Jesus made things look. You know, now, does it mean that Jesus didn't get tired? No, he did. Because when he was on the boat with the storm, what was Jesus doing at the bottom of the boat? He was sleeping. You know, and when Jesus would be around the multitudes in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Jesus had to go away for a little bit sometimes, didn't he? He had to go away and pray. So Jesus got tired. Jesus got tired. But when you think about just the nature of how good he was at his job, Think about how easy he made his job look. So what did he say he came to do? Right, He came to seek and save the lost. How great of an evangelist was Jesus? Literally the best to ever live and whoever will live. 
So think about when, when they're on the boat and the storm is just raging and everybody's panicking. What are we going to do? We're throwing stuff off board. Jesus literally just says, peace be still. How do you just do that? How do you stop that? You know, when when um, when the boy was demon possessed and the disciples tried to take the demon out and they couldn't do it and they ran to Jesus. How come we can't do it? We can't take this demon out. And Jesus said, you can only take this one out by prayer and fasting. You got to do a little bit more. And he takes the demon out. So, again, Jesus made his job. It was the hardest job, but because he was so perfect and so proficient at it. He made it look so easy. But when you think about it, think about the disciples. Think about how many times they tried to do something that Jesus did, but it was hard. So now Jesus dies. Matthew, you know, obviously he's in the garden, chapter 26 uh, of Matthew. And it shows his crucifixion later in the following chapters. But now their leader, he's gone now. So guess who has to fill all those holes that Jesus easily filled every single day for the past three and a half years? The disciples. So now in Acts chapter two, verse 38, Peter preaches that sermon. Men and brethren, verse 38, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. You should receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now you have new members following Christ. But now look at how the how the roles have reversed. So Peter and the disciples, they were following Jesus. Now Jesus is gone. Now guess who's in the quote unquote role of Jesus now? The disciples. And now guess who's the disciples role now? Everybody who obeyed the gospel from Acts chapter two on. So now remember when the disciples were following Jesus, what were they more concerned about? Rather than spiritual things, they were concerned with Jesus taking over Jesus, Jesus defeating Rome, where, where would they be sitting in the kingdom? Who was the greatest disciple among them? They were, they were looking at things the wrong way. So now they start to understand things a little bit more, even after the death of Jesus. Now, guess what the brethren from Acts and all the letters are concerned about? Who's the greatest? I was baptized to Paul. I'm a better Christian. I eat meat, so I'm better. No, I eat vegetables, so we're better. So look, now the disciples, all throughout the letters, they have to face the same problems that they gave Jesus. Here's why it's important to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Because at some point, the problems that they faced, you're going to have to face it. So now there's a certain level of respect there now. Because you understand what they did, they made it look easy But I didn't know they dealt with this. I only saw half of what they did. I didn't know they dealt with this. I didn't know they went through that. I didn't know they had to do this just to do that. I didn't didn't know all that. You see, when you walk a mile in someone else's shoes, it gives a certain level of respect for what they do now. And now it shows the importance of what they do. So now as we talk about, you know, our Lord, and I think about this as we close this point. I think about first John chapter one and John talks about Jesus, how we saw him. We could touch him. He was the word of life. So now Jesus is gone. And now that he's gone and and they have to become the teachers now. Imagine how much they miss Jesus.
man, if I had an opportunity just to sit by the fire and just talk with him as we ate dinner, I would love to do that right now. Think about they had. Okay, this is I'm telling you guys, this kind of blows my mind every time I think about it. Those 12 men had God at their 24 seven disposal. That's crazy. When you really sit down and break down their journey, they had God with them at their disposal 24-7. Literally, they, they could see him. That's crazy. But now here's the question. Even though they had God at their disposal, what did they do with him? Well, let's complain. Well, let's talk amongst each other. Let's keep asking him, am I better than this one? Am I better than that one? So think about us. We have the word of God at our literal disposal. What are we doing with it? Are we spending time complaining about each other, murmuring against each other when we could be spending time with Jesus? Because Just as there was a time where Jesus left, there's going to be a time where he's going to come back and the word's not going to be at our disposal anymore. And I think we're going to miss that time that we could have been spending with our brethren, that we could have been worshiping together. We could have been singing together. We could have been enjoying each other's company. We could have been comforting each other. We could have been rejoicing with each other we could have been crying with each other we could have been doing all this stuff together but because of maybe my own pride or my own ego or what i think or what i think i know then i decide not to spend time with jesus and his people you see when you start to walk a mile in his shoes we really start to see guys what we do that we that we take as routine on Sundays and Wednesdays and occasional events it's it's not a given it's it's a it's a privilege to do these things and until we see spending time with Jesus and his people as a privilege we're always going to look at things spiritually as a job or compartmentalized part of who I am so thank you for walking a mile in my shoes. So then as I kind of think about this a little bit more, guys, as we're going, and again, we're kind of spitballing here. We're kind of just throwing out some points, possible sermon topics, I think, here. Um, here's something else. As you learn to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, I think about, obviously, we talked about the, the Good Samaritan how he had compassion on that man. But as you learn to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, what you begin to see is you begin to see some things that you couldn't see before. So, you know, I think about what's written in the New Testament, be swift to hear and slow to speak. You know, a lot of times when when we get small bits and pieces of fast information that we kind of paint the picture based off of the small pieces of information that we have. 
And so, you know, I think about that's what people did with Jesus. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know the work he was doing. They just got bits and pieces that this man's causing a disturbance. This man, this man is saying this, but who really took the time to sit there and talk with this man? When you really look back at scripture, other than maybe Zacchaeus, who obviously he did, he did great things and Nicodemus, obviously other than those two, who came to Jesus to really try to understand who he was? When the, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they came to Jesus, they came with an agenda because of the small facts that they had. Here's the thing that I ask you to consider for yourself, for yourself and myself. Is that how we approach Jesus? And is that how we approach people? We approach them off, bit, off bits and pieces that we think we know, but we don't even have the whole story. So are we coming into conversations? Are we coming into meeting new people? Are we coming into these things with, with agendas already rather than coming into it, trying to get to know them? So think about, think about it from Nicodemus's perspective. What did Nicodemus do? So he did something that the other Pharisees and the Sadducees other than Zacchaeus didn't do. He didn't come to Jesus to try to get something out of him and trap him. He came to Jesus really trying to understand. What do you mean a man has to be born Again, I can't go into my mother's womb. Ah, Nicodemus said the man be born of the water and the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom. So he was really trying to understand the teachings of Jesus. So as you try to walk a mile in other people's shoes. Are you really trying to understand who they are? Or are you just trying to prove yourself right? Think about that with me. Are you trying to understand Jesus more and people more? Or are you just trying to prove yourself right? And we're going to talk about this in some um, podcasts moving forward. But sometimes what we can become is we can become a bit cynical. <clears throat> Meaning until you do something that fits what I think you are, I'm not going to accept it. But once you do that thing that I think you that you're going to do, I, I knew it. I knew it. So sometimes we can have that level of pride. But walking a mile in someone else's shoes, guess what it takes? It takes Matthew chapter five, verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, have you ever. Um, have you ever been like at work or at school or even with your personal friends, have you ever disagreed with a decision that somebody made? Like you don't see it that way. I'm like, why did they make that decision? That doesn't make sense. Like why why did why did they do that? Right? Why why did they decide to do that? Why did the boss decide to do it that way? Why did why did my friend decide to I, I don't get that. That really doesn't make any sense. But then once you really get to see after you have a conversation with them, once you really see things from their point of view. Ooh, I just saw the decision. I didn't see the things leading up to the decision. I didn't know you dealt with that. I didn't know this was going. I had no idea, man. I had no idea. You just saw you just saw the 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 finished product. You didn't see what was leading up to that. So, you know, I think about with us with humility, you know, I think about Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. 
And remember when Nebuchadnezzar made that giant idol and he made everybody bow down to it. But then Daniel, Meshach, or Shadrach, and Meshach and Abednego didn't bow down to that idol. So now he saw who their God was. But a couple of chapters after, you see Nebuchadnezzar going out on his palace. Look at this great Babylon that I have built. Look at all this greatness that I have. God humbled him. Here's the thing about humility that I've personally seen in my life and um, you may have seen in yours. There were some things that I thought I knew, but until I was knocked to the ground, like literally knocked down, that was the best education I could have ever gotten. Sometimes God has to knock us low to give us the greatest educational course he's ever given us. And when we think we're so prideful that we're bigger than who we are and we know more and, you know, we're the best and everybody needs to cater to, uh, you know, all these things. When you're knocked to the ground. Here's the beautiful thing about it. Now, it hurts. <laughs> I will let you know it hurts being knocked to the ground. But here's the greatest part about being knocked to the ground. It's that's the only time sometimes that you can truly listen. When you when you were at your level of pride, when I'm at a level of pride, the same things are being said, but you're just not listening. But now that you're knocked down and the things that you once stood on, the things that you thought you once were, you're not that anymore. So now you're knocked down. So guess what's open now? Your ears. You know, I think about Luke 15. You know, I think about the prodigal son. The prodigal, he really didn't walk a mile in his father's shoes, did he? What you're doing for me is nothing. I really don't. I mean, I need to go out and explore I, I, what you're doing. Anybody can provide for me. You know what I mean? Just give me my inheritance. Let me go. And I'm going to show you that I can prove to you that you're basically expendable in my life. So what you're doing, thanks. But other people can do that. You're not the only person that has money. You're not the only person that has a house. Was he correct? Yeah, he was right. But guess what his father had that no one else could provide him? True love, what he was really looking for. So then what happened to the prodigal son? Brother had to get knocked down. He had to get knocked down. And as he got knocked down, then guess what? The text says, and when he came to himself. And this is why, again, as we're studying this here at West End, this is why Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 is so important. Bless all the poor in spirit. This is an attitude switch. This is a mindset. You know, and as you really uh, switch your mindset, this is where education and this is where the education of Christ's heart really starts. It starts with humility. It really starts with humility. You know, I heard a... Um, I heard a story of a girl who went to uh, graduated with high school with uh, great grades, had a great ACT score, went to a great college, did great there, uh, got married there. Um, everything was just it seemed to be lining up for, her, you know, but one one summer after she graduated college, she came home to visit her family. 
And as she came home to visit her family, obviously from the outside looking in, you think this girl's got it all figured out, right? You got, you went to college, you got a great guy, you got kids, you know, it, it's, it's almost like this is, this is the life, right? But she comes home and she talks to her mom and as they're sitting, she says, I don't know as much as I think I knew. I just don't know where to go. How do you not know where to go? You got everything you want. I just don't know. You know, that's the start of humility. Lord, I don't know what's best for me. I don't even know what I think I need right now. You might have thoughts of what you think you need. But Lord, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. So now that you don't understand, Lord, teach me how to know. Teach me how to know how to hunger and thirst and how to be poor in spirit, how to be more merciful, how to be pure in heart. Teach me how to do that. If you ask, if you seek, Matthew 7, and if you knock, you'll find it. But you got to have the humble heart to search. You know, and and uh, it's uh, just speaking from experience at the age of 29 now, <laughs> at the good old ripe age of 29. You know, I remember back when I was, you know, maybe, you know, I live right. Well, I used to live right next to my middle school. So I'm about 15 minutes away. But that was like the best time in my life. And I think I was maybe, maybe 15, 14 in middle school. And I remember in my head waiting outside one day and I was thinking, you know, by 24 I may be here by now, you know, by 26, you know, I think I'm going to have a family by 26, you know, by, by, by 28, I think whatever career path I have, I think I'll pretty much be exactly where I need to be. So by the time I hit 30, like that's going to be a good, a good age for me to kind of move forward with my life. So at 14, 15, I kind of had things, I don't want to say pre-planned, but I kind of had like a pre-idea I guess, if that makes sense. And now being that age, I'm like, well, my plans didn't work out the way that I thought it would. It, it didn't. Is that necessarily wrong? No. But there's some things I, I don't know. I don't know. But now where, where do you go? Where do you go with that? Right. Where do we go with that? We go to God. Lord, show me, show me what I need to know. Show me who I need to be. I can't control things. What? Show me where you need to go. Learn to walk a mile. Learn to walk a mile. It really shows some compassion there. And then number three, as we're talking about this, this just a little bit more. Thank you for walking a mile in my shoes. Thank you for walking a mile in my shoes. Here's the beautiful thing about it. As we learn to walk a mile in each other's shoes. Here's the here's the thing that your heart will develop. And this is where I'm trying to go. Your heart will develop a sense of pity. You know, I believe it's Peter that mentions the Lord is pitiful. The Lord has pity on us. And when I think about that pity illustrated, I think about a child. So we have a lot of kids at, uh, at West Ham where we worship. And... You know, sometimes when you're with the kids and they're trying to take you somewhere, they'll they'll grab your hand, right? 
And as they're grabbing your hand to go somewhere, you being the fully grown adult, it's not hard for you to walk because you're fully developed. But for them, they have they kind of waddle along. They kind of half run, half walk. They might fall as they're trying to take you to where they want you to go. But you see their excitement. You see that they want to show you what they want to show you. You see the joy on their face. But when they fall trying to lead you somewhere, you sit there and you don't go ahead of them. You don't go behind them. You just stand there and you patiently wait for them to get back up so they can keep walking. You know, I think about that's how the Lord does us sometimes. He's the fully grown adult. And sometimes just like a child, we kind of run ahead of him sometimes. Sometimes we think we're ready for certain things and then we fall flat on our face. Then he comes next to us and he helps us back up and dusts us back off so that we can get up and walk again. You know, learning to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, your heart really gains pity. Because when you only see things through your lens, you will always expect people to do things the way that you want them to do it. But when you have pity on somebody, that's an emotion that develops when you see, man, I was like that. I remember times where I fell. But I want to be pitiful to my friends, to my brethren. You know, when you think about Jesus, Jesus was very pitiful, you know, to the disciples. You know, he, he always helped them. He always walked next to them. He just showed them the utmost respect, even though at times they didn't get it, even though at times they fought, even though at times they betrayed him. He just still walked with them. And I think that's it. That's a part of Christianity that is kind of looked over a little bit is even when you teach the right things, even when you try to be the right person, sometimes myself included, and I'm not saying that I've got to figure it out by any means, but sometimes even when you teach the right things and you're doing the right things and you're trying to lead in the right direction, sometimes, you know, People fall. Sometimes it's too much because they need time to really understand it. You know, sometimes, you know, at first people will utmost reject it until they start living life and until they're knocked down and they're like, wait a second, he was actually right. You know, the the word was actually right. Sometimes you got to show that patience that Jesus showed. People won't just get it the first time just because you say truth. You know, I think about. I think about, you know, yourself and myself. How long did it take us to find the truth? How long did it take us to really see what the Bible was saying? How long did it take us to try to understand the heart of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 moving forward? The Lord was patient and pitiful and merciful and compassionate to me. So now when it's my turn to teach and when others reject it, we know when others um, don't understand it, when others, uh, it takes a little while for the brain to process it. Who am I to get mad? This is just a part of the journey with them. You know, and I mentioned that on our last stacks is this Christian life, it's, it really is a journey and you're walking with people. And, you know, I, and this is what I love about the podcast is for the past, what, four and a half years, we've been on this journey together. You know, every Monday we met every single week. 
you know, and we're, we're on a journey together and we're figuring it out with the Bible. Uh, we're going through things together. We're comforting each other together. Uh, we're rejoicing with each other together. You know, we're, we're a part of a journey. And, you know, on journeys, on any physical journey that you would take, whether that's a vacation or a trip or a hike, what journey have you ever taken that the road to get to that destination was always perfect? There's always bad weather. There's always unexpected things. You always forget something in your suitcase every single time without fail. I promise you, I'm the worst at packing. I always forget like socks or something. I'm like, how do I forget that? You know, but that's a part of the journey. And so sometimes as we're walking with Christ, there's going to be days where it's like, man, this is great. We're walking in the sunshine. You know, we're, we're walking together. Things are just beautiful right now. But then there's days and weeks and months where it's like, why is it so bad? I don't get it. It's a part of the journey. It's a part of the journey. So I think about Psalm chapter uh, chapter 23, where David says in verse 4, Yea, though I walk, which represents a journey, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But then in the previous verses... Where did he mention he was before the valleys? You lead me beside what type of waters? The still waters. So as we learn to walk a mile in each other's shoes, guys, what this will do is this will take humility to do this. It'll take the pride out of our hearts to do it. But also this will this will see things. And let me warn you. <laughs> As you do this and as you embark on this journey of trying to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. If you really, really try this and what we're talking about, obviously, you already have preconceived notions about people and situations already. Right. You already have preconceived notions. I've had that. Right. All of us have been there. But when you really start to walk a mile in other people's shoes and really see things from their point of view. You're going to end up feeling so small because the the things in the background that you didn't see, they will be so magnified that you'll really start to understand, oh, I got it. I see things from their point of view. I see why they're here. I see why they're going through that. I see why, you know what I mean? Like it makes you feel so small, but it humbles you and it humbles you moving forward to now take this principle that Jesus gave us in Matthew to heart. It really humbles you. So thank you for taking the time to try to walk a mile in my shoes. I hope, I hope those kind of thoughts. And again, this wasn't organized at all. We just pressed record, but we're just kind of walking through this together and talking through scripture together. Um, I hope some of these thoughts were maybe able to make you think and, encourage you as as they always do me and I'm just really appreciative of you guys and and what you guys are doing um so Lord willing we will see you guys on Monday with another pod